0: Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas, and I'm your host. It is Wednesday, October 27th, and we just wrapped up the uh, second of three Arco de Trento rounds in Italy. And I was there on uh, last weekend, well, the whole weekend, and uh, helped with the television broadcast on Sunday, which is a lot of fun and uh, great uh, exposure for Fly Racing as part of that. And I was actually supposed to stay for all three originally. Uh, But there's just honestly way too much going on, and I have a bunch of travel coming up, and so I came back early. I did get up early this morning and watched uh, all four motos, which were, man, pretty awesome. The racing seems like it's getting better and better, which isn't kind of normal for the end of the series. It seems like it generally gets worse, and guys are kind of going through the motions, but that is anything but the case for this uh, MXGP season. Before we get too far into today's racing, let's thank the sponsors. Pirelli Tires, Plum Creek Funding, uh, check out their great refi rates and all the options you may have with Plum Creek Funding. Guts Racing, that RJ Wide Wing seat is what I recommend if you want a little bit more grip. And then obviously they make all kinds of customizable graphics. They are the official sponsor of Rockstar Husky as well. Works Connection, use promo code JT21 at checkout for that Pro Launch Start device. Fast Foundry, all of your efficiency needs for your small business, whether it's, it could be Fortune 500 company, maybe you're an executive there and you think that you should outsource some help, uh, Fast Foundry can certainly help you with that. All Oils, Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia, Grant Stone Boots, 612 Suspension, ProGlow Wash, uh, use the promo code MOTO15, I'm actually going down not this weekend but next weekend to see uh, the guys at ProGlow, so uh, try to get an update on any kind of development and just going on, what's going on with the company while I'm there. And then of course, fly racing. So thank you to all of them. And if you have questions about anything, their products, potential promo codes, deals, what I recommend, anything, just reach out to me, email me, DM me, Uh, social media is easy, any of that stuff. And I'd be be glad to uh, point you in the right direction. So as I mentioned, uh, I mean, this series is wild, right? Both classes have their own kind of storylines MX2, eh, a little boring as far as the championship goes. You know, uh, Renault seems to have this wrapped up even after a really horrible uh, last Sunday. Uh, He bounces back today, and then one of his main competitors, Tom Vial, DNFs the second moto and kind of takes any air out of his chances. And they were remote, let's be honest. He really didn't have much of a chance anyway, but it certainly seems like he's done. I guess Yago Geert still has a chance. You know, you're looking at close to 100 points. You know, I don't have the points in front of me, but it's got to be 80, 90, 100 points uh, over the next three rounds. And you figure there's only 150 points available, right? So he would need basically a miracle to uh, to do anything to really make Maxime Renault concerned. Uh, and I, I wrote this off weeks ago. Paul Malin, who is the voice of MXGP, was trying to talk me out of that. He was really working on me and saying there's a chance and anything can happen and crashes and injuries and I was kind of just blowing him off a little bit. You know, this is all just bench tracing, he and I, over the course of the weekend. I just, man, it's very rare to see anything like that happen where a championship's lost this late with that big of a lead. Um, so I'm just going with the averages. And uh, yeah, I kind of think that Renault has this thing locked up. So still wild racing. If you watched today, the second moto, the crash that left Vial with the DNF and sent Renault you know, screaming off the track, I mean, they made pretty hard contact. And it was fairly out of character for Vial. He really doesn't get into those types of scenarios. He doesn't really see any sort of incident at all, Most, you know, most times. Uh, his persona in racing is, is pretty clean. Like, he gets a start, he stays out of trouble. Whether he wins or not is up to him, typically. But he doesn't involve himself in drama very often, uh, on or off the track, really. Um, good results, good training, You know, pretty vanilla personality. But you know, I, I've been mentioning, and I don't want to toot my own horn here. That's not what I'm here for. But I've been talking the last few weeks about this kind of ego situation that's going on between Tom Vial and Maxime Renault. They're both French. They're both championship contenders in this class. And remember, Vial is your defending champion, and Renault is about to be the newly crowned champion, in my opinion. And both of them are fighting for supremacy. And it's not really so much in the points. It's more in each other's minds and how people view them. They both want to be considered the alpha in this class. And that's what it's all about. That's why that crash happened this morning on Sunday, because of that dynamic that I've been... I've been talking about it for weeks because I can feel it. I hear people talking. There's stuff going on behind the scenes. I can see it in their riding. They are very, very much concerned about each other. They don't want to give each other an inch. Even though the championship's pretty much over, you can see that it means more to them. You can see Maxime Renault taking a lot of chances that he really doesn't need to take. You know, the race in Spain and the race in France, he was pushing way harder than he really should be at this point of the series. And I think... If he was 30 years old instead of 20 years old, he would approach this series very differently. Uh, But yeah, I'm here for it. Like I'm here for the drama. I love the contact and all that stuff. Like that's what makes it entertaining. I just don't think it's very smart on Renault's part. If you're Vial going into that moto, that's exactly what you need to do though. You need to force Renault into some uncomfortable situation. You need to get him out of his comfort zone, make him make bad decisions, if you want any chance. So I kind of applaud Vial for luring Renault out of any sort of just, I'm trying to think of the right word, but any situation where he's not going to take chances, right? Where he's going to be risk averse every moto. If you're Tom Vial, you want to get him out of that. You want to make him push the edge, take risks, you know, almost crash, like do all those things where he's on the edge because that's really your only chance. It didn't work out for Vial. He ends up going down, basically eliminates himself from any contention. But realistically, that was his only chance anyway. So on a pure spectator fan side, amazing. I mean, that was awesome. Like the crash and Vial flies through the air and, you know, Renault's headed towards the trees and we don't know if he can stop and all those things. It was really, really fun to watch. Uh, as far as the guys that did well, Rene Hofer gets his first win, uh, and he's Austrian. So that's the first Austrian Grand Prix win in years. I think Hans Kindergartner, going back to the 70s, was the first win, or maybe even 60s, uh, was the, the first win since then. So congrats to Rene Hofer. Yes, he got help. Who cares? It doesn't matter. All you can do is race who's in front of you. Uh, you know, he can't help it that Renault and Vial and had issues. He, he beat Yago Geert straight up. So, I mean, that's, that's good enough right there. So congrats to him. Congrats to uh, KTM on uh, an Austrian home win. That's a big deal for KTM to have a, an Austrian win a race is, is a big deal. So congrats to them. But as for your MXGP class, I mean this this is what it's all about. Go into the race and Hurlings had started to creep away a little bit. I think he was up to twenty four points after that second moto on Sunday and. I remember driving out of the track going, man, it it, it just feels like Hurlings is sucking the life out of the series. Like he's just kind of taking over here when it counts. And then a couple of days later we you know, they show up and race again. Hurlings goes down on the start, his throttle housing is damaged in the crash, he can't continue. And we got a series. I mean, everything changed in that moment. Febra puts in a hell of a ride to pass Tim Geiser with only a couple laps to go. Takes the win. Geiser right on his heels for second. And then you're going into race two, like, man, this is anybody series. And then you get more drama, right? Bad starts and guys are all over the place. Hurlings uh, crashes, puts in a solid ride. Um, but then you have Tony Cairoli that goes out and wins the overall. So, I mean, this race had something for everyone. You know, Tony Cairoli's possibly last time at Arco de Trento, we don't know. I think he will race some next year. But for him to get a win with only a few GPs left is huge, right? If there would have been a ton of fans, which I doubt there was being on a Wednesday, they would have gone nuts. They would have lost their minds to have Tony Cairoli win today. You get Hurling's crash. He fights back, holds off uh, Roman febra at the end there. Um, Tim Geiser is just ahead of those guys. And you thought maybe Geiser was going to make it happen with like 10 minutes to go. I'm, kinda, I'm watching and I'm watching Geiser's body language and I'm like, He's setting up for a run here to end this race. Kind of didn't come to fruition. He, he did move forward a little bit, was able to get around Coldenhoff but uh, that was as far as he got. But for him, knowing what went on in race one, I think it was it was a positive step, right? He beat both Fevre and Hurlings in race two, and that's what you want. If It doesn't matter. If you get 20th place, who cares? If you are Tim Geiser, you want to make sure that you are ahead of the number three and the number 84, Every time the gate drops. If you do that, you will defend your world championship. Same thing goes for Febra. Every time the gate drops, just try to beat those two. Don't worry about anything else. Who cares about wins? Forget about the money. There, there will be money to be made down the road. Just beat those two because I think it's going to get wild. You can already kind of see it. Guys are crashing, they're feeling the pressure. Things are happening that, you know, out of character. And that's what pressure does to guys. So, I mean, the real loser today was Jeffrey Hurlings. And I don't mean loser as like a personality thing. I mean loser as in he lost a ton of points because of a bike issue. So, um, really challenging day for Hurlings, I would say mentally, because there really wasn't much he could do about it. The upside is he retains the championship lead, barely, I think one point, And there's three points between all three of them. So, things are very, very tight at the top. I mean, I don't know of a championship ever in MXGP where there were three guys within three points with three rounds to go. And and some historian that can scrape data or do something, please let me know. I would love to know that stat. But I don't think I've ever seen it. I mean, this is all-time entertainment, down-the-stretch type stuff. And it sucks for Hurlings, but we have his first-turn crash to thank. You know, it would have it would not have been this way had he not crashed in the first turn. And arguably wouldn't have been this way as if his throttle housing hadn't broke because we've seen hurlings fight back from bad starts, from crashes, from all sorts of adversity and get back to the front. So I'm not saying he would have been even, you know, top five or even top 10, but if he would have been 12th, that has a much different feel than a DNF does, right? Giving up all of those points to Febra in the first, first race. Uh, that's, that's a game changer that opens the door to anything. You have three rounds left and it's really anybody's championship. So, I loved it. I was glued to my computer screen throughout the morning. Uh, I was transitioning from home and then exercising, and then getting ready for work, and then at work, and just watching racing all the way through that whole you know morning routine that I have, and just couldn't get enough of it. You know, I'm, I'm typing and sending emails and working on reports and doing all these things as I'm watching it, and uh, I was locked in. Amazing. It does help that you know part of my job description is to be clued into these things and. I'm still negotiating with a lot of teams and riders and all these things, so I need to know exactly what's going on up to the minute type stuff. So that helps, right? That keeps me out of trouble with HR or you know my, my you know, upper management or anybody like that. But um, on a purely entertainment level, pff, I couldn't get enough. Um, whether I needed to watch it or not for work purposes, <laughs> I would have been watching. Just incredible, incredible stuff. Uh, back to the Cairoli thing. Uh, I've been speaking with him this week a little bit, too, and, and I am a huge Cairoli fan and uh, could not have been happier to see him win. The, the bummer of the whole thing was we never really saw him. You know, the the points championship battle was so tight and things were happening uh, lap by lap. You know, these these events were unfolding and the, and the championship lead was changing hands. So I think that the producers and the cameramen didn't want to go back to the front to show Cairoli because they were so enveloped in this championship battle and for good reason I I totally understand why but I think for nostalgic and historic and just even relevance for the winner of the race it would have been nice to see a little bit of more of Tony Cairoli Um, you could just see how overjoyed he was I spoke with him after the race on Sunday and he was really uh, just bummed out you know um, disparaged like he's only got a few of these left and he in his top form right where he's putting all of his effort into racing and to have a race where he dnfs twice and just nothing goes right the entire day yeah you could just tell he was uh he was bummed about it like it 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 really i think got to him more than you know a normal dnf would because he knows time is short he knows this is coming to a close just so to see that bounce back day on wednesday and I don't care if the rest of these races don't go well, right? If Sunday doesn't go good and Manceva goes poorly twice, at least he can look back and say, yeah, I won. I won a GP straight up with a couple rounds to go. You yeah, know, I can't control hurlings, but I beat Fevre and Geiser straight up. Like, that, that's saying something. Like, that's really, really cool uh, for, for everyone and, and mostly for Tony Cairoli fans. So it was kind of the feel-good story of the day, and I was personally happy for him. Um, I just I like everything that that guy stands for. A couple notes on the Yamaha guys. They've been better. And if you've been following along, you've noticed that both Glenn Koldenhoff and Jeremy Sewer have had horrific seasons. And it's just not gone well. And they're both full factory Yamaha. They're both well-paid, well-supported. And for different reasons, Jeremy sewer has been sick. He's had Epstein-Barr and all sorts of health problems. So it hasn't been so much anything he could control. But in the end, the results have still been bad. But Glenn Koldenhoff, he just looked like he hadn't gelled with Yamaha really at all. It just had not gone well. And Yamaha really went after him as a world championship contender. That was the plan. We go get Glenn Koldenhoff. We add another championship contender to the fray. And that did not that didn't come come to fruition, as I mentioned. It just did, did not play out that way. He's been, I think he was eighth in points coming into the day. He's really not been anywhere near the front for most of the season. And then the last two rounds, he's fixed it. He's turned it around. So I know they've been testing a lot. Maybe that was, you know, maybe this is the result of that testing. Or maybe he's found some confidence. Or maybe this track works for him, right? We don't really always know the facts. And sometimes he may not know. You know, he may have an inkling of why he could point to all the testing they've been doing. Or maybe he could just tell you this is one of his favorite tracks i don't really know the answer to that but when i watch him ride there's a distinct difference he just looks more confident he looks faster coming into this these two rounds every time someone was behind him every time he got a good start they were immediately shuffling him back and immediately looking for a place to pass him that was not the situation uh last weekend or this weekend it just wasn't uh, he looked apart he looked on pace He didn't look like he was under pressure or duress from really anyone. And if someone did try to push him around, he would fight back. And I'm speaking of Koldenhoff. Uh, He was just, he had more fight in him than he has had recently. Uh, And then Sewer has been, yeah, he completely different guy. I mean, altogether, you can see the fitness. And really when you watch him, even if it's in time qualifying or in the race, the intensity that is kind of a staple of Jeremy Seward's style is back. Um, it gets him in trouble sometimes. Like he rides way over the edge at times, but, uh, that's what makes him who he is. That's why he's on a factory Yamaha. That's why he's been a multiple runner up in this series, uh, because he's able to ride the edge. He's able to push the pace. So good for them. Good. It's nice to see the Yamaha guys have some success. They've been trying hard. They really, really support the series and their riders. Like they, they are all in, uh, on all of this. They, they want to win. So, when I see the effort being put in and then you don't get anything out of it, it's frustrating. And I have, I have no dog in that fight whatsoever. Um, but I, I am a fan of those who are willing to put in effort. Like if you tried that hard and you're willing to put it on the line and you never get any payoff for it, I feel for you. Like that's not how that's supposed to work. You're supposed to get some results sometime. Uh, and that's, that's happening here at the end of the year. It's long overdue. And I'm, I'm sure this year, no matter what they do the rest of the way, will be considered a letdown. But uh, something is better than nothing. So good day overall. You know, it's a Wednesday. Uh, it's the only racing we had to talk about today. But I'm telling you, if you want exciting races, this is the series for you right now. Right? We're lucky to have MXGP going on in October. And it's going to go into November, right? So that the gap between racing ending and racing starting in January is very short now, which we're, I'm for, you know, we're, I'm happy about. We're fortunate for that because typically it would kind of lock up like Motocross the Nations in September and then we'd have October, November, December with not a lot going on. Okay, maybe we have, you know, Monster Cup or whatever if you're into it. But as far as legitimate, meaningful racing where people are trying their hardest and really putting effort in, it's like a three month gap, which sucks. So. I'm, all, I'm here for it. I love it. Um, and we still have three rounds in this series still to go. So check it out if, you, if you're listening to the po- this podcast for the first time. If you've never watched MXGP before, you are stepping into a great opportunity to uh, see a barn burner to an end of a series here. So that's it for this week. Again, thanks to the sponsors Pirelli, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Works Connection, uh, Grant Stone Boots, ProGlow, Fast Foundry, Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia, Blenzol and fly racing thank you to all of them and again please reach out to me with questions i know it's a little short today but uh i wanted to get a little midweek update on kind of what we saw and i'll do another one on sunday after that round as well so thanks again and see you